Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. And disciplining you <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Hey guys, Liz Wheeler here. In addition to this week's episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz, which you heard earlier this week, we wanted to bring you a bonus sneak preview of The Clope Room, a series I co-host with Senator Cruz each week over on the Verdict Plus community on Locals. Did you know we do so much more each week than just bringing you the main Verdict episode? Senator Cruz takes mailbag questions, he posts memes, he interacts with subscribers, and more over on Verdict Plus. In this preview of The Clope Room, we're talking about Jon Stewart calling Senator Cruz a mother effort. And on the more intellectual side of things, we're talking about how the United States should respond in the event that China invades Taiwan. If you like what you hear, you can get more of Senator Cruz and more of the cloakroom every week over on Verdict Plus. 
You can head over to verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus. And if you use my promo code, which intuitively is cloakroom, you can get one month free. That's verdictwithtedcruz.com slash plus and promo code cloakroom to check out all the episodes of The Cloakroom right now. We'll see you over there. In the meantime, please enjoy this preview of The Cloakroom. Hey guys, welcome. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Cloakroom on Verdict Plus. We have a lot to talk about tonight. There's so much happening with Taiwan this week. But first, Senator Cruz, we have big news, a big announcement to make. Baby Knowles number two has arrived. Huge congratulations to Michael and his wife and his entire family on the arrival of their new baby boy. Obviously, Michael is out this week spending time with his family as he should be. I'm so excited for him. This is his second son. Yeah, no, it, it's awesome. He's got uh, a, a second baby boy and they are are celebrating and enjoying. And, you know, when Michael comes back, we'll do everything we can to make him feel at home, which which means we'll do lots of crying and and uh, drooling, uh, which frankly is a lot of what happens in the Senate, too. So so there's a consistency to it. But it's it's great news. And we're celebrating with Michael. Yeah, Michael posted some pictures publicly on Instagram of the little guy. And man, is he a doll? Michael's wife did a fabulous job. Huge congratulations to them. We're actually going to do two cloakroom episodes this week in honor of Michael's new baby. Also, because Michael is out this week, it'll be an inside look into what you and I, Senator Cruz, do on the cloakroom every week. Today, we are going to talk about Taiwan. But before that, I want to talk with you about Jon Stewart. You seem to make Jon Stewart pretty mad this week. He actually made a video calling you a mother effer. And he was standing in front of people chanting, when senators lie, veterans die. So Senator Cruz, maybe you can tell me today, what exactly did you do to piss off Jon Stewart? Yeah, no, this was a pretty surreal week on on that front. Uh, John Stewart kind of lost his mind and and uh, uh, did an awful lot of demagoguing and and very little actually truth telling. So so let's unpack this because what what happened in the past week was was confusing and, and I got to say the the corporate media did a horrible job reporting on any of it. Uh, the underlying bill that the Senate was c- considering is a bill called the PACT Act, and what the PACT Act does is it focused on veterans health care and in particular veterans who who have gotten diseases from burn pits these giant pits that were that were very common in in both iraq and afghanistan where all sorts of toxic uh chemicals and and all sorts of garbage was burned um just lit on fire and unfortunately it it let off a lot of toxic fumes and now we've got veterans who are coming back with all sorts of health problems uh, including cancers and, and, and other diseases that, that, that there's significant science tracing back to inhaling uh, the toxic fumes from these burn pits. And, and I have long been an advocate of, of providing health care for those veterans who, who were injured from exposure to burn pits. Uh, it's something I've advocated for a long time. And this bill in particular uh, is a bill that creates $280 billion in new funding uh, for health care for our veterans uh, for exposure to burn pits. And I emphatically support that bill. Uh, this bill also has $400 billion in existing funding that's already in the funding stream for health care for veterans. So all told, the, the, the total price tag of the bill was $679 billion. Uh, I supported that in June. I voted for it. Uh, I agreed with it. Uh, and I think it's a good idea. Now, after we voted on it in June, uh, we subsequently, last week, were voting on what's called cloture, which a vote on cloture is a vote to cut off debate, uh, to disallow any amendments. This was the second time the bill had come up. And this second time it came up, uh, Pat Toomey, my, my colleague from Pennsylvania, raised a very specific concern about one element that was in this bill. 
which is an accounting gimmick that the Democrats used uh, within this bill. I mentioned that the bill has two components, $400 billion of pre-existing funding for veterans, $279 billion in new funding for those exposed to burn pits. Well, the $400 billion in pre-existing funding uh, is currently what's called discretionary funding. And discretionary funding, uh, discretionary spending is, is spending that has to be reauthorized by each Congress. And discretionary funding is subject to an overall cap in terms of how much discretionary spending is allowed. What the Democrats did with this bill is they shifted that $400 billion from discretionary spending to mandatory spending. Now, why does that matter? Well, mandatory spending, the way the federal budget works, mandatory spending is on autopilot. It, it, it goes automatically. It doesn't have to be appropriated. doesn't have to be reauthorized. It's mandatory, and so it's just on autopilot. Why does that matter? Well, it doesn't matter in terms of ensuring that the money will be spent because, look, Congress is going to spend money for veterans' health care. There, there's no prospect that Congress is going to fail to provide the funding for veteran, veterans, veterans' health care. The reason the Democrats wanted to do that is by shifting it from discretionary to mandatory. They, as a bookkeeping matter, cut discretionary spending by $400 billion. The $400 billion they moved to mandatory, suddenly it created a hole on discretionary spending where our total aggregate discretionary spending is $400 billion below the cap. The reason they wanted to do so is they want to spend $400 billion more in unrelated pork, has nothing to do with veterans, has nothing to do with this bill, but the hole they just created in discretionary spending, it was their intention to fill that hole and to fill it with whatever pork projects they wanted to spend. And so Pat Toomey had an amendment, a very simple amendment, just to shift the spending back to discretionary, so, so to reverse the budget gimmick uh, that they had employed. Um, last week when we voted on cloture, Pat had spent the entire week making the case to the conference at lunch that the only way we could get a vote and, and try to force them to shift it back to discretionary is if we stood together and at least 41 of us voted to deny cloture. And if we did that, if we blocked Schumer from going ahead on the bill, we would have the leverage to force a vote on the amendment. That happens a lot in the Senate. That's how you get leverage to get a vote is you block cloture. Well, we did that last week and John Stewart lost his mind and the corporate media lost their minds. John Stewart proceeded to go on this, this profanity-laced tirade, blasting me, blasting other Republicans, uh, and basically his thesis was that, that apparently Republicans hate veterans. We're just, you know, when you think about Republicans, what is it that characterizes Republicans in the mind of a wild-eyed leftist demagogue? It's that we don't like veterans. Mind you, that that is facially absurd. But the problem was Stewart is not being a legitimate advocate. He's not being an honest broker. He's being a partisan hack. And he saw an opportunity to use this to scream and curse and attack and try to deceive, look, people who are not paying much attention, but just hear Stewart screaming, Republicans hate veterans, some of them might be deceived into believing that. It was dishonest when Stewart started. It remains dishonest today. And so what happened today is we just, we voted on Pat Toomey's amendment. 
I voted for Pat Toomey's amendment. It narrowly failed. So unfortunately, the budget gimmick is still there. And then we voted on the bill and I voted for it. We ended up having 86 senators vote for it because we support the underlying uh, bill. But it was an amazing illustration of how dishonest the press is because almost none of the corporate media actually covered the substance of what the dispute was about. So this is actually interesting because the truth of the matter is, you can correct me if this is inaccurate, but the truth of the matter is it was actually the Democrats who were temporarily, I guess, holding this money hostage from veterans to pay for their health care because they wanted an additional $400 billion to spend on things unrelated to veterans or health care, just their own political pet projects. That's exactly right. And, and so actually last week when we were voting on cloture, we made very clear to Schumer if you adopt Toomey's amendment, we'll approve this instantaneously. So we could have passed this last week. And, and one of the things Stewart and the rest of the media were saying is it's Republicans who have delayed this and veterans are dying. Well, we could have passed this last week. But the Democrats love their pork so much they didn't want to pass it last week. And by the way, one of the reasons the, the media went really crazy is, is I was skeptical we'd get 41 Republicans to stand together to try to stop yet another $400 billion in pork spending unrelated to veterans. And we did miraculously hold, hold Republicans together. And so when, uh, when that happened, Steve Daines, Republican from Montana, he and I did a fist bump on, on the Senate floor, which caused Stewart's pretty little head to explode and, and caused all of the leftists to say, you know, Twitter is covered with, you know, Cruz is fist bumping veterans dying. Uh, yeah, that's it, Johnny boy. That's exactly what it was about. Not Cruz's fist bumping, trying to stop Democrats from bankrupting the country with 400 billion in unrelated pork that, by the way, is fueling inflation that is making people's lives really, really suck, including veterans lives who are having to pay seven, eight dollars per gallon for gas. It is amazing the deception that the media played in this. And so I'll tell you tonight. When I voted yes on the bill and Steve Daines voted yes on the bill, we did another fist bump in the exact same spot. We, we pur purposely did it again uh, to illustrate the point. But I'll tell you something else I said at lunch. So we were discussing at lunch today before the vote uh, what the next steps were. And we were able to get a vote on Toomey's amendment because we denied cloture last week. But I said, listen, it looks like we're going to lose the vote on Toomey's vote uh, amendment. We, we knew that by lunchtime that it looked like the way the whip was coming out, we were not going to win the vote. And, and I said, this was still a good and worthwhile fight to have. Why? Because we've now increased the political cost of the Democrats trying to use that political gimmick to fill that $400 billion hole. That, that by focusing the fight on it, the Republican conference is now much more focused on that $400 billion fake hole that they made just by moving the money to the other side of the ledger, the mandatory side. And maybe we've made it radioactive for the Democrats to come back in another bill and add that pork spending of that $400 billion in the hole. And what I also urge the conference is when Republicans take over, hopefully in January, we ought to fill the hole. In other words, we ought to lower the cap to basically eliminate this budget gimmick. And because we had this fight, I don't know if we'll succeed in lowering the cap to, to erase this budget gimmick, but our chances of doing so are much higher because we fought this fight and endured the dishonest demagoguery uh, of the left uh, over the weekend. And by the way, 
I looked on Twitter right now to see if the mainstream media was giving equal coverage to your fist bump, fist bumping uh, for this this healthcare for veterans. And no, it's not trending anywhere. It's it's of course it's not. nowhere. So that shows you exactly what you need to know. But speaking, you know what is trending on Twitter right now actually is Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. And I want to ask you about this because in a previous episode of Verdict, you gave the chances of China invading Taiwan to be 50-50. Do you, would you change your calculation given Nancy Pelosi's visit and China's threat? Uh, probably an empty threat, in my opinion. Their empty threat of shooting down her plane or responding with their army. Do you think that they'll use that as justification to invade Taiwan? Is there a higher likelihood? So it remains a very real risk. Um, you know, rewind to over a year ago when Biden had his disastrous surrender and withdrawal in Afghanistan. Um, the weakness and appeasement of this administration encouraged every one of our enemies. I said at the time, as you'll recall, the chances of Russia invading Ukraine have risen tenfold. The chances of China invading Taiwan have risen tenfold. Um, our enemies are emboldened because they see the, the commander in chief as weak and, and ineffective. Now, let's get to this week and, and Nancy Pelosi. It is astonishing how badly the Biden administration has screwed this up. I, it's breathtaking. I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think of, of, of an analog in, in, in recent times. So Pelosi announced she was going to go to Taiwan. We actually had a classified briefing yesterday with, with senior officials from state and DOD um, talking about this, and, and I chewed them out. I mean, I lit into them. I can't tell you what they said, but I can tell you what I said because what I said isn't classified. And, and I chewed them out saying... I, I, it is hard to overstate how badly you guys have screwed this up. Number one, when Pelosi said she was going to Taiwan, the Biden administration leaked that the Department of Defense opposed her going. We don't know who leaked it. We don't know if it was DOD. We don't know if it was state or if it was the White House. My guess is it was the White House. I think it was probably the Biden National, uh, National Security uh, Council that did so. But I don't know that. that. That's inference. I have no, somebody from the administration leaked it. Um, that was spectacularly stupid. Um, and one of the things I pressed the administration on is, do you think it was beneficial or harmful to leak that the Department of Defense is telling the Speaker of the House, oh, oh, please, please, please don't go to Taiwan and, 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 and make the Chinese communist angry. Of course it was harmful because it shows this White House is so weak and terrified that, 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 that they're scared. But then it got, and you mentioned in your question, it got truly Monty Python-esque level absurd because a Chinese government-run newspaper publicly called on the Chinese military to shoot down Nancy Pelosi's plane when she tried to land. And then at the White House press conference, the White House press secretary was asked, what do you make, what, what is the administration's position on this Chinese government-run newspaper calling for Chinese missiles to shoot down Nancy Pelosi's plane? And the White House press secretary said, oh, we have no position on that, which I got to admit, Liz, is friggin' nuts. Uh -huh. Listen, I'm no fan of Nancy Pelosi, but the only answer to that question should be, Anyone attacking and trying to murder 
the Speaker of the House of the United States of America, if they shot down her plane, it would be an act of war and the result would be overwhelming and catastrophic. That is the only answer you can give, whether you like Pelosi or not. And the level of weakness that you ask the Biden White House, what's your position on China murdering the Speaker of the House of the United States? Oh, we don't have a view. You know, what's what's a little murder of, of senior government officials between friends? Like, holy crap, that statement increased the chances of China invading Taiwan dramatically because they're taking a measure of, does Joe Biden have the backbone to, to do anything? And if they're not even willing to say, please don't shoot down our Speaker of the House, what are the chances they're going to do much of anything else? It's, it's so unreal to watch this unfolding. You and I did an episode a while back on the cloakroom talking about your foreign policy philosophy, and you described it as um, on the spectrum of isolationist to interventionist. You said it's not somewhere in between on the spectrum. It's a third point on a triangle. Yep. Um, where you analyze what the interests of the United States are before getting involved in a foreign conflict to make sure that it's it's particularly within our interests and not just something that um, something that we're interested in when we get involved and especially our military getting involved. So taking that and by the way, anybody watching this who hasn't watched that episode, I highly recommend you go back and look at it. Um, very interesting. One of our best, if I do say so myself, but how would you apply that foreign policy philosophy to um, a scenario where China invades Taiwan? Should the United States get involved? Should they? Should we not? And if so, how much? In what way? What are our interests? So it's a highly complicated question. Um, and should we get involved? Absolutely, yes. And actually, the Taiwan Assistance Act obligates us to get involved. Now, the act does not specify what get involved means. So there's a whole range of involvement. Um, anytime you're dealing with a superpower that it, that is a, a threat on the order of communist China or on the order during the Cold War of, of the Soviet Union, your best hope is to deter aggression. And you deter aggression from a position of strength and not, not a position of weakness. So during the Cold War, nobody in their right mind wanted to get in a shooting war with the Soviet Union. Ronald Reagan did not want to get into a shooting war with the Soviet Union. But he believed in peace through strength that if we build up our military and we create enough deterrence, that we can defeat them without having to go to war with them. Likewise, look, only a lunatic wants to go to war with communist China. Um, that a full-out war with communist China would result in massive ca casualties on both sides. No one in the right mind wants to see that happen. Taiwan, um, Taiwan poses an enormous threat to the Chinese government for a number of reasons. One, because it demonstrates that, that Chinese people can live in freedom and prosperity and, and with human rights, look, the people in Taiwan are ethnically Chinese. There's no difference in, in the nationality, the ethnicity, the history of the people on Taiwan from the people in mainland China. But what terrifies Xi and the Communist Party is the 1.3 billion Chinese living under communist tyranny and oppression look across the Taiwan Strait and say, hey, wait a second, they're Chinese just like us, but they are free. They have elections. They have free speech. They, they have prosperity. Their standard of living is much, much better than ours. Wait a second. That system, that free enterprise system is a lot better than our crappy communist system. 
That's why the Chinese government is so terrified of Taiwan, because it emboldens their system. Now, for the same reason, we should speak out vigorously in support of Taiwan, vigorously in support of Hong Kong, because they both have demonstrated the power of freedom and free enterprise. And what's in our interest is seeing the Chinese communist government fall, uh, just like it was in our interest to see the Soviet Union fall. And so what I think we should be doing is, is number one, vigorously speaking out for Taiwan, that I think using the bully pulpit of America is really powerful and it undermines totalitarian regimes. But number two, providing uh, weaponry, selling weaponry to Taiwan. Look, Taiwan is, is an incredibly successful economy. They can afford to buy our weapons. We're not giving them stuff. It's not a, it's not a case of welfare. They're, they're incredibly successful. But we should be selling them mili military weaponry, sophisticated military weaponry that they can use to defend Taiwan against China and to change that cost-benefit analysis so the Chinese generals are saying, well, wait a second. If we launch an amphibious attack, these guys have sophisticated enough um, weapons that they can drive up the cost a lot. In particular, what you want is, is asymmetric uh, weaponry, the ability to have not just a bunch of tanks that are sitting stationary and are really easy to take out, but you want things that are mobile. You want things that, that some of the things we're seeing in Ukraine, like javelins and stingers and, and mines that you can put in the Taiwan Strait, all of which make an amphibious assault much more difficult. I'll mention, by the way, another reason why a Chinese invasion of Taiwan would be enormously harmful to the United States is a very large percentage of advanced semiconductors that are made worldwide are made in Taiwan. America produces very little of it. Hopefully we'll see more. And the Senate just passed a big bill that has tax incentives to create manufacture semiconductors here. I support the tax incentives. It also had corporate welfare for big multinationals. I don't support that, so I voted against the overall bill. But if China invaded Taiwan tomorrow, it would have a stranglehold on advanced semiconductors on a global scale. Our military is dependent on those semiconductors. Our technology industry, phones, satellites, computers, cars, the, the, the level of our economy that would be held hostage to China if China took over Taiwan would be devastating. So the right answer is not, let's send in the Navy to go fight the Chinese Navy. That's a very bad outcome. The level, the, the response instead is, let's be smart and proactive and deter the invasion in the first place by making clear that the cost to China will significantly exceed the potential benefits. This is why it's so important to have a foreign policy philosophy, because you can identify U.S. interests and then you can moderate our response and how to be a deterrent first based on that structure, that framework, and not based on just the emotion of the moment. Okay, we have a mailbag question and some context for this question. This week, the Senate is set to vote at the end of the week on the Manchin-Schumer so-called Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. We know that Manchin caved to Schumer after Manchin had torpedoed Build Back Better. This is kind of Build Back Better light. They claim it's addressing inflation. We know that that's not true. Craig Alexander asks, do you believe, Senator Cruz, that Senator Kristen Sinema will vote yes for this bill? I genuinely don't know. Uh, it is the only hope of defeating it. So there are 49 Democrats who are a yes. I'm 
confident there are 50 Republicans who are no. So the only one who will decide it is, is Kirsten Sinema. Um, I will tell you, Sinema was playing pretty coy today. So she was, she was on the Senate floor. She was in the cloakroom today. We were all asking her, saying, you know, gosh, a no would be a really great vote. We'd love to see it. She wouldn't tell us. Uh, so we asked her. She wouldn't tell us. Uh, she is not publicly committed. So she has not said one way or another. Um, I think it is possible she may insist on some changes to it. If I were to guess what's most likely, I think it's most likely she votes for something, but it's not this exact version. And I don't know what her conditions will be, but I think she will probably put a price on her yes vote. And I hope the price makes it less bad. On on these issues, she has been, look, she's had real guts taking on Schumer and the crazies in her parties. And, and, and so I don't know what that'll be. But but if I were to predict she will have some condition and make them change it somehow, and if they do that, I think she probably gets to yes at the end of the day. But I don't know. We'll find out in the next couple of days. Well, I think we're all going to be sitting here waiting with bated breath to see what she decides. I hope and I pray that she has the courage to reject this tremendously bad bill. But what do you guys think? Let me know. Post. Tell me. Do you think Cinema is going to vote yes? Do you think she's going to vote no? Do you think she's going to put conditions on it that will be uh, given to her and then she will vote yes? What do you think? Post. Let me know. Also, don't forget, we have two episodes of The Cloakroom this week. And our next episode, we're going to talk about a topic that I promised you a couple weeks we would talk about. We're finally getting to it. We're going to talk about George Soros-funded progressive prosecutors around the nation. You don't want to miss this one. Senator, as always, it was good to chat with you. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Cloakroom on Verdict Plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.